Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Archivist with Attitude podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, not to be confused with an incognitus, like Archie Bunker would say. No, we've been on a bit of a hiatus here. Uh, life's been a little crazy, so it's good to be back and good to be talking about the world as it is. And for this week, we're going to we'll talk a little bit about why we've been gone and also <clears throat> what's changed in our world and look at that from a bit of a historical standpoint as we do here. I got to say, it's been interesting in the last couple of months that we've been gone, the changes in our world. And, and before we get to that, we'll go into why I've been out. Um, goes to the stuff with the Aberdeen School District I was talking about before. My, my wife took a new position with the district as the um, head of the autism program that they offer and she has been waiting to get moved into her classroom so we finally got her or she finally got her classroom at her new school and we've been moving two classrooms worth of furniture back and forth and into the schools and into our garage and into our upstairs and have been getting the house straightened out with that and that's been consuming my weekends and then Last weekend, uh, we did the best we could, and I'm very, very grateful to my buddy AJ and my brother Luke for coming down. We had a bit of a guy's weekend. We were going to have a few more, but we're all trying to be COVID safe and responsible. So to those guys, thanks. And to my buddy Justin and my buddy uh, Greg, it was good to talk to you guys via Zoom. And to my buddy Alex, um, we miss you. And I do want to send a great thank you to him because as I was looking back to kind of see where we left off, he was my guest host on the last episode and that's kind of where, where I left it and, and it was great to have him on and great to talk to him and I'm sure he and I will see each other again soon. So that's that's what kept us kind of, or kept us, <laughs> kept me kind of busy the last few weeks and and but it is good to be doing this again. Um, not only do I enjoy doing this, but it's kind of a way for me to, to share my expertise and share my passion and share what I do for a career, but also kind of vent some of the frustrations I have as a historian and as a, as an archivist with the current political situation. And to that, a couple of things we'll start with, uh, where COVID-19 has gone in the last couple of months that we, we're on a good track here in Grays Harbor and cases had stabilized and things were good. And then just within the last uh, month here, since the beginning of July, we've had a dramatic increase in cases or more than a doubling of cases. We've had at least one confirmed death. I didn't check the numbers this morning. I'm sure they're more than they were, but I was watching them climb four, five, six, sometimes 10 cases a day here and that's part of the reason why our our guys night was made a little smaller is that you know people we've got everybody now in our little area starting to get starting to get touched by this in one way or another family members are getting it etc cetera, etc cetera. i am being beyond careful um, my wife is a diabetic and the last thing i want is for her to get this because the size of science says those with immuno or compromised immune systems are the ones more than like more likely to get very very ill and possibly 
uh, perish from this and, and I'm not mucking around with it. And I've seen, um, folks on my Facebook and stuff in the mask denying and that kind of thing. And you know what guys, here's the deal. Here's the deal is it's a piece of cloth. You have to wear over your face. If you cannot do that to save your own life, let alone save someone else's it's, I'm sorry. That's sad because the fact of the matter is they work, they prevent things from spreading and, and just do what you got to do because, you know, in, in this country is America right now in, in terms of dealing with this virus and in terms of a whole lot of things is a pretty sad and scary place. It, when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents always taught me this, this concept of, you know, the, the World War II generation, the greatest generation of, hey, you know, when stuff hits the fan and things get crazy in this country, we should band together and help each other. And this is one of those times and this is one of those things where it shouldn't be divisive. It shouldn't be paranoid delusion taking over of, oh my God, because I have to wear a piece of cloth over my face. It's an invasion of my rights as a person. Well, great. Have your individual rights, but at the same time, take responsibility for your fellow man. Care about somebody else other than your goddamn selves. And that's what it comes down to. My my grandparents, they watched out for their kids, and their kids watched out for their kids, and but they also watched out for the neighbor kids. I mean, you know, that's, I talk to so many people my age, and when they move to neighborhoods um and that's one of the things i've always heard from from my generation is we love moving into areas where there's a lot of older people there's a lot of people in their you know 60s 70s or whatever because they it's annoying to times but they are busy busy bodies and they care about what's going on in their neighborhood and the fact of the matter is is that's a good thing. I mean, that's an old generation thing. Care about each other. Watch out for each other. You know, it's, I'm not trying to tell you how to be or what to be, but the fact of the matter is, is until this is all done and until this is all quashed, it's just a simple thing. It really is a simple thing. If we can just stop being self-important for a little bit and worry about each other, it would be amazing and it would go a long way to getting this shit under control and getting it done and over with so we can go back to some normalcy. Um, to that, I've got a meeting. I'm I'm a past exalted ruler for the Hoquiam Elks. I think I've said that before. And I've got a lodge meeting on Monday that I have to go to because we have to look about or and, and discuss. I'm on the board of directors as a, as a trustee now. Um, and we have to discuss how we're going to survive this thing because with new um with the new regulations that were just put in place and the reworking of what phase three means for businesses uh we have to we we have to close our bar and about the only way we're going to make any money is doing maybe takeout orders of food and that's if we can find the volunteer help to do that we have to do something to keep our lights on and keep the insurance paid. So that's something we got to discuss. This this thing, and I'm sorry if I go a little bit all over the place here, but it's 
having a major impact on the way we are living right now and everybody should be concerned enough with trying to get us out of this that doing something as simple as wearing a mask and social distancing and staying home when you're sick and et cetera, et cetera, that should be the thing. And I will say, you know, I am a little frustrated with our governor and I'm, I'm a Democrat and I still get frustrated. I'm frustrated with Jay Inslee because the fact of the matter is, is he keeps changing and adjusting things and, and changing what meanings are and what the rules are for each phase. And it's like, dude, you outline phases. You had a good plan for each phase. And quite frankly, as I see it, what he should have done is blanket phase the entire state. It shouldn't have been a county by county thing. Because what happened here at the coast is we had our county get into a higher phase right around the time of the 4th of July. And because of that, we had a bunch of tourists come from all over the place and from other counties that weren't in the same phase that we are, and the virus just spread. It's what it does. I mean, it's it's a virus. It doesn't take much, and it'll change, and it'll morph, and it's going to become more dangerous over time if we don't nip this thing. And, it, and we need to step out of ourselves and look to the countries that are beating this shit back. Go look at Europe. Go look at Australia. And granted, granted, they're all different. Their their systems are different. I understand that. But the thing is, is you can learn from success. You can learn from people who are managing this successfully and apply the things that are going to work for you and don't apply the things that aren't. And we, we can beat this. But it's it's getting crazy. And it's... You know, it's I'm fearful for my health, my wife's health, um, my friends and family's health, and also, quite frankly, folks, um, our lives are going to be made astronaut. They're already made difficult, but they're going to be made more astronomically difficult um, with how this is affecting our supply chains. Part of my job um, is. I order supplies and have been, I'm kind of the Radar O'Reilly where I work, if y'all are MASH people and understand the reference, or Max Clinger, as it were, in the later seasons. And I'm charged with finding supplies. I do supply ordering and things for, for work on top of doing archives and history and front desk work and receiving payments, and I do a lot of stuff. But anyway, part of the supply hunt has been uh, for one of our sections of business we've got guys that use disposable coveralls um as as a safety and a cleanliness thing and and i spent three days last week on the phone calling every retailer every um every warehouse every place i could find that carried um coveralls 3m tyvek or dupont tyvek 3m whatever their fabric is called it's similar to tyvek coveralls called them all got nothing so i finally went to the tippy top and i called 3m and i called dupont directly and dupont basically said good luck man if if you aren't getting them from our distributors then you're not getting them and 3m it was kind of kind of humorous i mean because you got to laugh at some of this you're just going to cry and get depressed and go nuts but 3m i called them and when the the lovely southern um gentleman answered the phone and i explained to him you know i'm i'm calling for 
coveralls. He said, oh, well, well, if that's the case, that you're not calling for masks uh, and N95 masks and such, we, we can actually get you to somebody that might be able to help you because masks, it's foolhardy at this point. So they send me to this this guy um, in their, their disposable uh, coverall department, I guess, as it were. And he said, look, dude, here's the thing. He said, before COVID hit, it was about a three-week turnaround before we could get an order filled. Now you're looking at several months. The best I found was possibly late September. And it's not just, you know, PPE stuff. It's, I've had it with office supplies, ink cartridges, um, all of the stuff that that we could be making here. That is made over in Asia because they're getting better. Their cases are going down, but they're still being cautious and not starting their plants up. And rightly so. And the thing is, is as I was talking to some folks at work and, and other people, we could be starting these plants up in, in our country. But the difficulty is because we've been so many years gone now of actually producing our own um stuff whether it's vcrs televisions uh, consumables of, of all natures we don't have anybody trained to operate the machinery in the factory that creates these things and and while i'm not saying that this should stop any movement towards getting factories running and, and making american-made products again what I am saying is, is now is the time. Now is the time. Excuse me. Now is the time to look at history and look at World War II era history, particularly, and World War One. Look at what we did. Look at what the United States did during those time periods. They went and they directed companies to build necessities that car companies were making tanks and jeeps and and you had you know companies making parts for airplanes that were making parts for washers originally we have the ability to do this we have the ability to get people trained and huh unemployment's climbing you want to stop unemployment Hire these people, train these people to run these things. And then once we get this crisis under control and we get the cases down and the vaccines get done or whatever it is that this is going to wind up being, because it's still very much up in the air and science is trying to catch up because science is a slow process and this is a new virus. And that's another thing people need to be aware of is the 24 hour news cycle is disastrous for this kind of thing in multiple ways. One, because everybody's clamoring for why, why, what happened? What do we do next? What's the newest news? And science is slow. Science is a study. Science is a process that, that takes time. And the fact is, is this is a brand new deal. It's a strain of a virus that they know, but it's a new type of virus. Every virus, every bacteria, every flu bug, every thing that comes out that's new like that in terms of science needs to be studied and needs to be figured out and viruses are difficult because they change they morph they they will do slightly different things they're an organism they behave differently they adapt they change 
just uh, you know we think we're the superior species and the fact of the as human beings and the fact of the matter is is some of the microscopic organisms have have it night and day above us because they are at their root based to survive that's what they're there to do they're there to survive what they do to us is is secondary to what their mission is and that's solely to survive and they will adapt and change and do what they need to do to survive so in short it's going to be a while but until we get to that point you know now is the time to be starting up ccc programs again training people to work these machines training people to make the things we need um to make the supplies that we're running short on and also then when this does get better and when we get to some sense of normalcy then you can turn around instead of making the necessary stuff turn plants around and start using them make ipods here make well, ipods it's a little dated now but make iPhones here, make computers in this country, you know, start making cars here again, sign deals with Japanese automakers and hold their feet to the fire. And and if stuff starts becoming a little more expensive because we're paying Americans to do the work, fair enough. But then that's when you start paying Americans higher wages and, and for the work they're doing because the quality is better, you know. President Trump promised. He said, oh, I will be bringing jobs back to the U.S. Now's your time, man. Now's your time to do what you said you'd do. Get off your ass and do what you said you'd do. And get things running again. And 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 that's that. So it's, it's going to be a real interesting road here. I hope everybody stays safe. I hope everybody takes care of themselves. Do the simple little things to protect each other. The mask is a big deal. I mean, other countries are looking at us like we're a bunch of idiots right right now. Go check out other news sources. Look at the BBC. Look at... Um, oh, I'm trying to think. I, look at Al Jazeera TV. Look at how other countries are looking at us right now. We should be leading in this, and we're not. And, and to the mask thing, I, I do want to give a, give a shout out. I had a kind of a cool experience with that. I went and, um, yeah, I was trying to find a mask that was a little more comfortable. Granted, yeah, I will tell you flat out, you know, cloth masks are not the most comfortable thing. Um, it was suctioned into my mouth a little bit. It didn't ha I was trying to get something that had a little more oomph. I, I did have an N95 that I was using at work. But I happened to find uh, through a guy that I met through my my older or my younger brother Luke. Um, his name's Jim Valley. He is a podcaster and uh, and a wrestling aficionado and and fan of pro wrestling. And and he on Twitter was had posted that he had ordered this mask of from this company called Lucha Masks, and it's Lucha Lucha masks.com and they're they're not cheap, but the thing is, is they're COVID masks made by a guy who runs a small independent wrestling promotion down in California, and is friends with a bunch of the luchadors and the, the lucha wrestlers out of out of Mexico and and Latin America, and and um, Jim had a Blue Demon mask, and Blue Demon was is one of the original luchadors from the 
fifties and sixties uh, at the same time of El Santo and Mil Mascaras and others. So what was cool is, is, is me as a wrestling fan for one, it was a sh- kind of a cool deal. But the other thing I thought about is, um, and, and everything, like I say, kind of, I try to tie it to history. So here's a little history on, on Lucha Libre in, in Latin America. The big thing of Lucha Libre is, is all of the wrestlers wear masks. They're all masked. And it's kind of like Kiss was in the early days of, of them as a band in the 70s. Luchadors don't let the public see them without their masks. Kiss didn't let anybody see them for years without makeup. They finally unmasked, you know, and took the makeup off years later. But in Lucha, they don't let people see them without a mask. So they're, I mean, they're down in, in Latin America. It's goddamn hot and muggy some days and it's just you know and they're in a mass so my thought was who better to know how to make a mask that is going to be comfortable protective breathable and and still protect you you know and and be a nice high quality mask so i went to the site and they had all kinds of of masks for various luchadors and and the one i picked was for a guy named la parka and and or la park now because uh due to some copyright issues which is a longer story but la park um was he was my one of my first introductions to to lucha libre um when i was a kid watching uh wcw years ago and and la parka was always cool he he was he had a skeleton looking outfit and a skeleton looking mask and uh, became known as the chairman of WCW because he'd bring a steel chair with him to the ring that he would somehow or another sneak into a match or whatever. But I, I loved La Parca. And he was unique because a lot of the luchadors, when you think Lucha Libre, you think guys like shorter, smaller, faster guys like Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, um, Hayabusa. Uh, Hayabusa's Japanese, but still um, kind of Lucha Flair. Uh psychosis etc etc and but la parka was a bigger was was probably six foot and a much bigger uh luchador and he could still fly like the like the smaller guys and it was amazing to watch so bought his mask and then i once i got it i posted a picture on twitter in the in the mask and and found his found la park or la or la parks uh twitter page and shouted out to him and and had to do a little bit of uh brush up on my Spanish because we had a bit of a back and forth and, and some miscommunications. <laughs> One of his fans uh, said that I was an authentic, original, luchador-looking dude, and, and La Parca said, no, 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 he's not original. I am, and he showed himself with a picture of himself with uh, his class of, of lucha trainees down in, in I believe he lives in Mexico, and... And so I had to get on and, and clarify that, no, 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 I'm a Goonie-looking white boy down or from Washington State, but just a huge fan of of L.A. Park. And and I think he's very cool, and, and I've always appreciated his his style. And what was cool is, is, is you know, I, I don't have enough, sp- I've got enough Spanish to read and understand what they were talking about, but I can't write it worth a damn. So... Well, what's cool is is Twitter has a nice little uh, via Google has a nice little um, translation function, and so L.A. Park took the last tweet I sent about you know appreciating him and and you know that I wasn't trying to say that I was any sort of luchador, just being appreciative of a of a very cool, very comfortable COVID mask. And he took the tweet, translated it, took a took a screenshot of the translation and reposted it, and then it got a bunch of likes and. 
and he liked it. And, and one of these days when this stuff, uh, pans out, if, if one of the local, if defy up in Seattle, who I met their CEO or their CEO and their owner and operator, he's a cool dude. Uh, Mr. Farmer, um, Matt Farmer. And if they, you know, if they book some Lucha guys and if they ever get LA park up here or, or I ever get a chance to, I would love to shake his hand and, and chat with him and, and meet with him. It was a very, very cool thing. I love, love Twitter for that, that, uh, aspect of it in that a lot of the celebrities out there, especially, you know, maybe some of the more underground celebrities that, that aren't mainstream, they, a lot of them run and operate their own Twitters like D Snyder and from Twisted Sister and LA Park. And, um, I've had good interactions with Jim Cornette and some others on, on Twitter. And because it's a simple little, Hey, cool. Thanks, man. Or thumbs up, like, appreciate that kind of thing. And, and being able to, to have a direct line to voice your, your admiration to a celebrity is kind of a cool deal. Anyway, uh, a long story short, it was very cool, um, to get that, um, as they license more, I may get another one so I can wash one, wear it a week, wash, you know, wear the other and wash back and forth, clean up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now to kind of what's going on in, in the greater world. And I apologize for the break, but I'm getting a little water so that my, uh, throat is nice and lubricated and I can chat with you guys a little more. So, um, I have to say, uh, Alex and I addressed this a little bit, but we were talking about the, the black lives matter protests that are still continuing. We're running on almost three months now of protest, whether it be in Portland, in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis, all over the country. And as a historian and archivist, it's truly amazing to me to be living in a time period where we are dealing with a pandemic like the 1918 flu. We are seeing, um, civil rights, obviously still an issue it's never gone away it never i i believe that racism can be eradicated i believe it can got be gotten rid of but people have to listen and and hear what is being said and understand what's going on and understand the history here and and it's uncomfortable and it's not pleasant and it's not anything anybody wants to dig too deep into or look too deep into, but sometimes you got to open that wound up and clean it out so that it can heal and it won't heal unless you deal with it, unless you get uncomfortable, unless you talk openly and honestly about some things people don't want to face and look at. And what's been most amazing to me and, and, because of my life and work and whatever else, I haven't been able to go down and experience pro the protest for myself, but I've got friend, good, very, very good friends and very, very good and, and good family members that are, that live in the Portland area that have been down there. And I've got some friends that have gone up to Seattle when they had the, um, I call it the, the, the demilitarized zone, but, but when they had the, the peaceful protest zone going on in, in Seattle and, the thing that's really haunting to me right now is seeing the video of these federal 
agents, federal militia. I don't know if they're army. I don't know if they're federalized. Like, I don't know if they're, 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 I don't know what they are. I don't know what branch of the service, if they're, they're local police officers that have been deputized by the feds. Because the so what it is is these guys are showing up like an army and they're in fatigues and they're in unmarked vehicles and their fatigues have no identification on them and they're basically showing up to quash these riots and and or and to quash the protests and it's very spooky because the fact is is even in the sixties even in the 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 civil war civil rights era the cold war era in the 60s yeah you had police officers doing this kind of thing but they were uniformed and they had identification and they had names and and when they brought in the um when they brought in the army the the oh, army reserves or whatever the the U.S. Army guys to break it up. They were still military and they had names and were identifiable. And this is a whole historically new level. I mean, this is stuff that Pinochet in Chile in the the sixties and seventies was doing. I mean, you've got people being taken off the streets and and taken to god knows where and i haven't heard i've got friends that are living in the thick of it and i would ask and i want to make this very very clear and i, and I am asking for this that any of my friends and family that listen to this podcast that live in portland seattle minneapolis wherever that these protests are going on that this stuff is happening i want to know because i've not seen a news story yet as to if these people are being returned I have seen where where these unmarked, unidentified militia, because I don't know of a better term to call it than a militia, soldiers are dragging these people away in these cars, and, and are they being heard from again? I mean, are they, are they being detained and then released? Do we know? I just, I don't have anything to confirm whether they are even coming back and the fact is if they are not coming back and nobody's hearing from them again the the disappearing thing and getting rid of getting rid of uh disappearing political opponents that's totalitarian shit man that's pinochet that's dictatorial that's like dictatorship, totalitarian, quash by all means necessary, by all force beyond what's necessary, quashing your political enemies by getting rid of them, literally getting rid of them, is insane. It's just insane. Like, I, that's not the country I was brought up in. That's not the country I want to be a part of. The fact is, is, is we need, and we as a society need to say, holy shit, this is wrong and this cannot happen. And our politicians need to get off their ass and come down and be like, hey, stop this shit. I don't know what kind of power the current regime in, in, at the federal level has over our senators and congressmen, but why aren't they saying anything? 
why aren't they doing anything? I mean, this isn't fucking insane. You got people that like, and, and here's the thing before anybody gets all pissed off at what I'm saying. And, and, and right, if you do want to find, I don't give a shit. But the fact is one of the things you got to think about here. All right. Is these guys are unmarked. They're unidentified. They have no markings on their vehicles. It could be anybody. There's enough military issue camouflage garb and equipment out there that these, you know, the people I've been hearing, they've been talking about, um, like Antifa getting in quote unquote Antifa getting into, and they're the ones starting these riots and getting things violent in the first place. Well, on the right side of that spectrum, you've got a bunch of these gun happy, um, living in bunker, like assault weapon collecting ultra paranoid folks, uh, the Eastern Washington types for our locals here that have been preparing for Armageddon. And for all we know, the feds, the feds may not even be getting a hold of these guys, but they may, they may be asking them to do this shit or they may be taking it upon themselves to dress up, get their cars set up and go out and pull these people off the streets. That's the thing is because these guys are not identified because we have no way of knowing if they're actually with the feds or not. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they work for. We don't know anything. And that's beyond frightening. So in my little corner of the world, all I can do is bring attention to this, but I'm asking, and I don't know that anybody that listens to this podcast has any any political cloud anywhere but i would ask our politicians and i and i'm going to ask as a as a pc or the democrats i'm going to ask Derek kilmer and i'm going to ask some of these guys look uh this is this is fucked up dude you guys need to do something these guys are pulling people off the streets and they're not identifying themselves they're giving no license to who they are with or part of i mean don't get me wrong in the cold or the the 60s and the civil rights era and the cold war era i mean our the feds were doing some shady shit then too but but this is this is beyond anything i mean back then the fbi and the cia they were making you know case files on people and taking notes and spying and that kind of thing now, don't get me wrong that's that's bad and awful and it shouldn't be done either because we should be able to live in a free society and speak our minds and say what we think and and peacefully protest and do what we need to do but but when you are physically removing people from the streets and they nobody knows where they're going or what's happening to them that's wrong that's totalitarianism that's cold war latin american dictatorships that's the stuff that the u.s was supposedly fighting against which in fact not to go too deep into that but the united states at the time was actually propagating pinochet came to power because of the united states um but th- this can't happen man this can't go on this is not our government is not supposed to endanger us. Our government is supposed to protect us. And that's and supposed to take care of its citizens. This is not cool. This is really, really not cool. And so, 
I would, I, 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 I don't know what to say to it other than that. I, all I know is I want some answers from our elected officials and I'm seeing them pretty moot on the point right now. And I, although I will say I've seen, you know, the mayor of Seattle and, and the mayors of Portland saying, Hey, what the, what the fuck? But you know, why aren't they talking to their state senators and the, you know, their state congressional people that are going to DC and saying, Hey, uh, who knows what's going on here and what the hell and who's got so much power that nobody's willing to stand up against this. And there, there's answers and they're there and somebody needs to find them. And so for my friends that are in the middle of this and living through all this craziness, I, I send my, my best to you. You know, I don't want to be ironic in the thoughts and prayers thing, but that's the best I I can do. I'm doing what I can to fight the good fight in my little area and doing the best to be positive and make the change that I would like to see in others. But th this is something else. So for those of you living in it, Godspeed, take care of yourselves and, and be safe. Um, and, and that's really what I can say to that. But I do want to try to end on a on a positive note and on a happy note and and to that i want to go back to last weekend um and say that uh, say again a big thank you to to aj my buddy aj and my brother luke for for coming up and having guys night with me and that was great they actually uh took me golfing for the first time i'd never been before and we got to go we go went out um my brother reserved a tea time up here at uh Oh man, I just drew a blank on it, but at the golf course just up the road from from my my house here, and um, and went up, and it was it was a gorgeous day. The weather was was beautiful, and we went out, and we had reserved a tea time of like twelve thirty. And the thing is that, um, that Luke had reserved it through a, um, he'd reserved it through a third party, uh, site. And in the name of the golf course is Highland golf course. And they are phenomenal. It was, they're gorgeous course. It was, it was intense and I'll get into that in a minute. But so he reserves this time we get up there and apparently they were in the middle of a tournament. And they hadn't shut down their third-party booking system. So so instead of just sending us away and because they couldn't refund the money, what they did do, and, and I want to thank them. I want I can't say enough about Highlands, how, how cool the staff was there. Um, what they did do is they gave us a bucket of range balls, which was perfect because I had been told, you know, Joe, if you're going to go, you should really knock a few off uh, out there out at the driving range so you get a feel for how to drive and and how to tee off and all of that kind of stuff before you go out and so we did that and then they worked it around so we we did nine holes and they worked it around that we came up after the tournament was finishing off and we did the back nine of the golf course and there was nobody out there we got on a cart and rode around and and boys had some beer because i was 
designate a driver or designate a driver and and not pardon the pun is like on a golf course designated driver <laughs> anyway uh, and and yeah we went out and knocked them around and they said you know i did pretty good for a for a first time and it was really enjoyable so it's definitely something i would consider doing again um the guys at highlands again they were super cool they they gave us the range balls for free and they knocked off um some money on the per person charge for the for golfing but it was it was a blast and i had so much fun and it's definitely something i want to do again and i want to say to my brother luke because the reason we had him over was it was a birthday thing for a birthday celebration for him and also a celebration because he is going he's been accepted to the edward r murrow school of um broadcasting at washington state university and he he's going to be good when he finishes his degree, he's going to be really good. He wants to be a sports broadcaster, call baseball, maybe in, in basketball, whatever else. He just calls sports. He loves, loves sports. So I'm hoping to see him, um, find his way maybe to the Mariners someday or to the Seahawks broadcast booth someday or, or hell. I mean, if he wants to, I'd love to see him calling WWE or, or, AEW or or anything he wants to do the kids kids got a great voice for radio and and I'm very proud of him and and you know we we hear a lot from from people that knew our mom that she would be proud of us but I you know I can tell him and I want to tell him honestly that that she would be so proud of him and and what he's doing and and where he's going and he's worked hard for it and it hasn't come easy and he's had to work a lot harder than I did and, and the pride I have in him and his work ethic and what he's done is off the charts. So Luke, I love you. And uh, if you listen to this, you know, I love you and I've got all the love and respect in the world for you. Um, you're a hell of a man kid. And, and I can't nothing, nothing and nobody can take that away from you and and on that and on a happy note you know everybody that listens to this i'm i'm happy to be back and glad to be doing this and hopefully we can get alex back at some point and we can get some other folks on doing this and we want to do kind of a fun episode at some point we there's been a discussion of possibly doing a drunk history and and to me if i do that i want to do it on something silly on something fun because I, I take my job very seriously, but I think it could be fun to like do like have a bunch of drinks and a lot of us get together and discuss video game history or something, something like that. Something that's not that we want to be serious about, but not, you know, that that's not a life or death situation like some of the stuff we're looking at right now is um, again, everybody take care of each other and and with uh Bill and Ted coming out just around the corner here as they as they always say everybody out there listening be excellent to each other and we will see you next time and hopefully next time won't be after quite the hiatus we'll see you soon